What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of It's Called Soccer. This is the podcast and show where we talk about everything in the U.S. soccer multiverse. I am Jake in London, England, joined by my co-host, future master of the universe, Tom. How are you, man? What's going on? Not much. Uh, a little stressed, just trying to get myself packed up. I'm headed up to Penn State uh, this weekend, and so looking forward to the move, but have to actually pack some boxes here at some point. <laughs> We wish you much luck. Personally, moving is my least favorite activity of all time. So I feel for you on a deep emotional level. <laughs> we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Yes. And Ryan, our friend in Kaiserslautern, Germany, you're going to be visiting my neck of the woods this weekend as we go to Anfield to hopefully see Chris Richards. But before that, what's going on? How's your week going? Good, man. Uh, you know, just trying to wrap up some stuff at work. I will say, just throwing this out there to you guys as options, if you ever want to look into getting a, a job for the government service, they will send movers to your house that pack your entire house for you and move you out. So the moment you've ever had that done, you will never want to pack again and realize <laughs> that movers are worth every penny, especially when you're not paying for it. Uh, so I appreciate you guys, you know, paying your taxes because that uh, helped pay for my move. Much appreciated. Uh, but yeah, man, besides that, just pumped to get out to London. Still trying to negotiate some tickets. Uh, hopefully I'm going to be ending going out to the Chelsea Tottenham match as well. Uh, so if, if I can knock out a little Chelsea Tottenham on Saturday, hang out on Sunday, maybe go down to Camden Markets, see if I can get some, you know, knockoff jerseys and stuff that you can definitely find down there um and then uh, you know with jake head up to to anfield and check out crystal palace versus liverpool and then i i feel like we have to get some sort of pod or something put together while, while i'm out there oh 100 oh, yeah. live show in person <laughs> live show i, Let's I don't do know it. how many people <laughs> come to us at the i don't know run down london theater of something i don't know <laughs> Well, it'll it'll be my house, but we'll we'll give it a name. Dude, there's there's enough street performers in London, man. We'll just do a street performance. Yes. So if you want to see fire juggling and a U.S. soccer themed podcast in the middle of London, uh, yes, come to Camden Markets on Sunday afternoon. But that's awesome. London is excited to have you. I'm personally very excited to go up to Anfield. Uh, that is a grounds that I've wanted to go to for a long time. I've been to some good ones, Craven Cottage, uh, Loftus Road for QPR, Carrow Road this past weekend for Narch. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Anfield. Guys listening, I promise you we are not sponsored by the U.S. Army, despite what Ryan would have you think. <laughs> but we are sponsored by Bet Online for this. So please listen to this so we can pay some of our electric bills. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, that was our ad. Thanks for listening. And also a personal touch. 
please go to patreon.com slash it's called soccer. That's probably the best website in the entire world if you do want to support uh, U.S. soccer independent coverage. So thanks so much, guys, for checking that out. All right, let's start off and kick off talking about the big topic this week, which is Brendan Aronson and his performance for Leeds United as Jesse Marsh, the gaffer, Tyler Adams, and Brendan Aronson, the American trio, take their first three points against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Guys, I I have to ask, based on Aronson's performance, is he starting to break into that starting 11 for you and maybe taking away that McKenney or Eunice Musa position. Tom, I'm going to start with you because you're, you're giving me a look. I, I don't know. I would like to see it more consistently. And I also just don't know that Brendan's skill set right now transition translates perfectly to any one position in the team. What he can do well, he does really well, but does that he do enough well at the U S men's national team positions to displace a Pulisic or displace a McKenney or displace a Musa all of whom are some of the most important players to the team. I feel like it's really early to judge that. I also think that we have to remember that he's playing in a system that's almost specifically designed for players like him under Jesse Marsh, and he's going to look good in that system, whereas Berhalter's system is not the same one. Okay, let's see what Ryan thinks. I have something different (laughs) to say. (laughs) What what I hear Tom advocating for, like many other people, is going to be uh, Marsh as the coach for twenty twenty six. You know, then yeah, then we've got we've got Brendan and Adams already ready to go. Uh, you know, it's it's I it's really interesting always hearing the conversation of you know who's in the eleven and everyone has their preferred elevens. Uh, but we're we're growing so much as a country in. The, that I think it's it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know, the midfield, super crowded. We're not even talking about Gio Reyna yet in there. You know, he hasn't even come out and had his first appearance yet in the Bundesliga. So I think we're in a position to where, finally, we don't have just 11 people to pick from. If Arison's out there as an eight or a right wing, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be disappointed about it. Uh, if Way is out there, uh, I could you imagine, too, like the legs and the pressure of Aronson coming in against a tired opponent so he's got you know such a strength to his game with his work rate that if if he wants to be a starter we saw he had like 31 pressures this weekend you know he's just a gnat out there like the dude never stops moving and stops pestering people so for me i don't think he has to be in the 11 i think i'm perfectly fine with you know a geo in the middle musa mckenny in the middle or aronson as well and then on the wing kind of that same group but you sprinkle in Wea as well we don't have to fight, guys. We don't have to say, you know, oh, it's got to be this person. And, you know, I think that's a, an unfamiliar position for a lot of USMNT fans to be in of saying, like, all right, cool. Like, we, we've got Aronson starting this week. Uh, and in game two, we have Wea starting on the wing. It's it's a luxury that we're not used to. And you can see people struggling to, to kind of wrap their brains around it. But in my opinion, I try to be a pretty helpful guy most of the time and I think it's a, a great time to be half full and be a USMNT fan. I think Aronson, like Tom said, fits the system absolutely perfectly. But I think, you know, Burhalter transitioning a little bit to, you know, a higher press system, in my opinion, Aaron, Aronson does fit that pretty well. So great. If he's out there, we have that as his strength. 
If we see Geo out there in one of those positions, I'd say a little bit more technical on the ball, but doesn't have the same work rate. So we're going to have to have a little bit of give and take, but I think the biggest takeaway is let's just be happy. Like, holy shit, we've got a bunch of good players and we can put out a strong 11 and have a solid five subs coming off the bench. We're just not used to it. I mean, I'll make that case that that's the next evolution of the U.S. team is that we've now moved from a best 11 to a best 15, that there are genuinely four other people that deserve and could add value in, in our starting 11. And there's there's positions to take on every single one of them being the starter, um, someone potentially playing a different way versus maybe in England or a Wales, depending on if we press high against Wales or maybe sit back further against a team like England. I, I feel like this Brendan Aronson conundrum for us as fans is almost like the next level that we need to get to. Tom, something that you've said on previous episodes has been the teams that win World Cups are not the best 11s, they're the best 23s. And I think that is the, again, it's the next step that the U.S. has to take. Maybe we're at a best 15 now, but in 2026, we might have a best 30 that we really need to trim down to, to the World Cup. Does that kind of ring true for you guys? Oh, yeah. I, I really think when you look at the best teams in the world, when you look at in England, there's not only these arguments about who should start, and there's 20 players who could start for them. There's arguments 35, 40 deep about this player should be on the roster, this player should be on the roster. You can only call 23, 26 out of 35, 40, 50 amazing players. The U.S. is trying to get there. Having 15 players right now that we are completely comfortable with, especially in the midfield and attack, is a fantastic problem to have and only shows the growth of this sort of young core that we've built. And you're right. I think that by 2026, we're going to have a similar problem where the fights over those last roster spots are going to be intense and really good players are going to be left off. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny that you you know we're actually on this topic because it's just a conversation I was just having uh, as I was coming off the golf course earlier today. Uh, of course, got to talk U.S. soccer with some of the people out here and try to get them at least go into FCK games and you know at least introduce them a little bit. You know, if you're in Germany and you're not going to Fußballspiele, then I don't know what you're doing. Like you got to get <laughs> out there. And and with since I'm surrounded by the all the Americans, like the guy that I was talking to, he's like, oh, but it's just so frustrating. Like, you know, I I just feel like we should be, you know, dominant in this sport. And so it was nice to kind of lead him to like, hey, just a heads up, you you might be a little bit shocked uh, come twenty the World Cup here in, in November. So it's this slow build that all of us that have been following, you know, week in, week out, qualifying, gold cups. Any, probably anybody listening to this podcast, all you guys are all watching all of this stuff. But we're going to see that explosion of fans in a matter of like three months. That's super exciting because we have that 15 to 20-ish right now that is, is pretty kind of dialed in. And, you know, it, it's going to be cool to watch a, a few people kind of see this for the first time. It's something that I'm looking forward to. Can I take this opportunity as well? Because there was a moment when Alexi Lalas was on a sports talk show and was asked why soccer fans are hipsters to the sport. And his response was, sometimes early adopting soccer fans can be huge assholes. And in that respect, I completely agree <laughs> with Alexi Lalas. So please, when people jump on this bandwagon in the World Cup and finally understand that we have a team that can compete against 
Like this might be the first World Cup where just based on our starting 11 players, we are better technically than other teams. It might not be the Englands and the Spains and the Belgiums, but you could absolutely make a case that technically we are better than Wales and Iran. Are we a better team? Do we have a better coach? Maybe that's up in the air. But this is going to be the first World Cup where we have 11 players that are objectively better than our opponents' 11. Yes, we had Clint Dempsey, we had Brian McBride, we had Tim Howard, but those were superstars in certain positions and they were surrounded by squad players. So please, guys, when other people that don't know this team jump on this bandwagon in November, please be kind, please bring them in, please share your excitement, and do not gatekeep U.S. soccer because this is an amazing thing that we have all found to be passionate about and other people that haven't been early adopters like you, you can still take pride in that, deserve to be fans. But that is my, I'm, I'm stepping off my soapbox. Can I build on that real quick? <laughs> Go for it. There's a great comic out there from XKCD, which is one of my favorite sort of sciencey comics, where they remind you that even if something seems like everyone should know it, every single day, on average, 10,000 people learn that thing for the first time, just based on the fact that Everybody, about 10,000 people become adults. So instead of if someone doesn't know something like, you know, the U.S. is so amazing to watch and this young core is amazing to follow, you sort of be like, I don't know how you didn't know that. Everyone should know this. You should just be like, oh, my gosh, you're one of the lucky 10,000 who doesn't know this yet. Let me show you something amazing. That's that's the attitude to take going into November is anytime so you meet someone like that, be like, OK, you're part of the lucky 10,000. Let me show you something cool. And who knows? We could definitely band. use... We could definitely use 10,000 more listeners to this podcast as well. I'll say that. Sure. <laughs> I say in the game, was this a Jesse Marsh masterclass? Or are, what are we going to see this season from the other Americans, Jesse Marsh and Tyler Adams, on this Leeds United squad? Uh, the one thing, as I'll be the first to admit, is I, I didn't watch a whole lot of Leeds under Bielsa uh, and just kind of picked them up at the end of, the, of last year. But... That was one of the most exciting soccer games I have watched in a long time. And, I mean, Leeds is going to be the game I have on the big screen every single weekend for sure. It's just you never know what's going to happen. They can look a little shaky at the back, and you know, but they're also going to go full press, and it's end-to-end action. It's so, it's so much fun to watch. So and that was my big kind of like surprise from the weekend. And, you know, Marsh has experience with uh, Salzburg as well. And when he was coaching at Red Bulls, this is this is right up his alley. So he's the right coach for the job. Uh, and if he had to cherry pick two players off the U.S. roster that have the most energy, cover the most ground and have enough bite to match the, the type of bite that Marsh showed at the end of the match with the with the Wolverhampton coach you can't think of two better players than Adams and Aronson. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but how important fit is for transfer because you cannot have better puzzle pieces falling in here. It's Leeds is a must watch week in week out now. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And Adams specifically is the perfect player for that system. It seems I mean, he covered what the second most ground of anyone in the premier league and was just all over the place. He looked comfortable passing. He looked, like he's played in the Jesse Marsh system since he was 15 years old, which he kind of has. It's a really great fit for him. Marsh gave him his debut at New York Red Bulls. He made him the captain at times for New York Red Bulls when he was a teenager. It's 
a great time to sort of see him bringing players like that, bringing players like Brendan Aronson who do the things that Marsh wants to do high up the field, pressing, winning the ball back, getting in behind so well. So yeah, Marsh really did pick the best players for the job. And I think that Leeds fans are going to love watching Adams and Aronson every week. Yeah. My favorite story from the Red Bull days is that uh, Tyler Adams, 16 year old Tyler Adams scored on Chelsea's on Jose Mourinho's Chelsea in an exhibition, which the Red Bulls won four nil and Jose Mourinho did not last long that season. So I, I still say that 16 year old Tyler Adams is the reason why Jose Mourinho <laughs> was sacked from, from Chelsea. Um, but yeah, Leeds is absolutely a must watch this season. And uh, I hope to see him get in more fiery spats with other coaches. Cause that's just brought some drama to it. Like the game, the game on the pitch was great. And then the drama at the end was amazing as well. We got our money's worth for sure. And wheel, wheel, wheel. That is a transfer alert. Uh, Pulisic may be on his way out of Chelsea. Newcastle United seem to be interested. We know that Timo Werner has gone to RB Leipzig. And Ziyech might be on his way out as well, but that is not confirmed. Guys, I just want to check in. Christian Pulisic, we constantly talk about his role at Chelsea. Tuchel's appreciation for him and in his position. What would you think about seeing Christian Pulisic at a new look, Newcastle United? I am going back into my deep MLS knowledge of the player who probably had the best season ever ever in MLS history with Miguel Almiron. He took an average Atlanta team and made them look amazing. He was the best player in the league by far. And he's done nothing in Newcastle under a couple different new look managers. I don't trust Newcastle to do anything with talent. Right now, I, I know their new look. I know they have a lot of money until they can show that they can do something with all that talent. I don't want to see anyone going there and wasting away. Yeah. So this weekend, for those of us that had to sit through that absolutely snoozer of a match with Chelsea, uh, you know, I think people are really kind of starting to see the Tuchel system and, and not when you go from watching Leeds to switching over to watching Chelsea, I mean, it's night and day. It's it's such a different style of play. But, you know, the the biggest problem that if you, you look at kind of what most of the Chelsea supporters were saying is they had nothing from their top three. And it was very interesting to see that the, some of the substitutes that uh, Tuchel made when he brought in Loftus-Cheek, you know, he, and because Loftus-Cheek, I think, and Pulisic came out at the same time. And one of the concerns was like, oh, shit, is he going to put Christian at right wing back? Like, is that are we going to see that again this year? And I think collectively we all went, oh, God, not this again. Uh, (laughs) But to see him playing up top and immediately Pulisic did what Pulisic does. He takes players on the dribble. He'll shift inside and then actually spring counters. It was the little bit of spark you actually saw from Chelsea offensively this weekend. Uh, that's why I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I think this conversation we're having next week is that Christian started for Chelsea and was, you know, kind of a main focus of their offense. So I, I, I'm not ready to bail out yet, especially to, you know, I, I really want to see Christian playing in Champions League. I want him playing, you know, at, at, I, but I also want him getting as many minutes as possible. So, yeah, I, I, he's going to have to fight for his minutes, but he's proven time and time again that at Chelsea – Every, even though they bring in, you know, the Sterlings, the Zietches, and the Verners, mm-hmm. like, still the one constant is Pulisic is the only one that they're getting production from, and eventually Tuchel's got to see that. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that this weekend. That's some wishful thinking on your part. If you do go to Stamford Bridge, you want to see 
you want to see Pulisic on the pitch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dude buying that ticket secondhand is not going to be cheap. Uh, so, but that's that's literally how confident I am that I, you know, I'm going to spend Ooh. 250 pounds to make sure that I'm in that stadium. It's putting it out into the universe. I like it. Confident approach. For sure. But it'll Put be a good game, by the way. <laughs> Yes. All right, let's move into the number nines then. There's a, a good amount to cover from this weekend review. Brandon Vasquez continues to score for FC Cincinnati. He's got to be close to the breaking into the roster for September. Jordan Pifak gets his second goal in two competitive games, his first in the Bundesliga for Union Berlin, uh, their 3-1 victory over Crosstown Rivals. Uh, Ricardo Pepe didn't get the start, wasn't a part of the initial substitutions when Augsburg was down 2-0, uh, came on, I think, 15 minutes left to go in a right-wing position. So I, let's just kind of talk through the nines and where we're at going into the September camp because we don't have that much time to, to consider these performances now going into that camp and eventually the World Cup. So, Tom, is, let's maybe just check in with Brandon Vasquez first. Is he starting to break through on that roster spot for you? It's it's almost hard to leave him off, given the way we've argued for Jesus Ferreira this year has been how amazing his season has been in MLS. Brandon Vasquez is doing Jesus Ferreira better than Jesus Ferreira is doing Jesus Ferreira right now. That's <laughs> a little confusing to say. But Brandon Vasquez is the best American striker in MLS right now, and it's not really that close. It's, what, 18 goal contributions in 24 games. He's leading the league in non-penalty XG for Americans. He's getting in behind. He's combining. He's doing not just target forward things, but moving, uh, dropping back in, playing on the wing, starting his runs and taking on the defense. I just don't see how you leave him off at this point, given how well he's done. And FC Cincinnati fans have been calling for it all year. And I think that people are starting to finally warm up to that case. Yeah. Ryan, I'm not going to check in too much on the MLS player, but tell us about the the one in the Bundesliga, Jordan Pifak. Dude, biggest takeaway, we talked about it a little bit previously, is, you know, is Pifak going to fit the system in Berlin? Uh, and, I mean, so far, he's actually absolutely looked the part. The biggest complaint a lot of people had, and deservingly so, was work rate, can he press? We know how important that is in Berhalter's system. It's not just what you do when we have possession, but what you're doing when we don't have possession. Uh, and dude, it was hot over this weekend. And you saw still in the 65th, 70 minute, 70th minute, PFOC, or actually as it's, we could have that conversation too. In his introduction video at Berlin, he did refer to himself as Sibachu. So, you know, tough. He wants, I think he wants to be PFOC in the States. Uh, you know, because that's where his mom's from. And then he'll potentially go by Sibachu out in, in Berlin. But yeah, some of those doubts we had for him, he he answered. Uh, and I Everyone wants to talk about the Mexico miss, but we know that the dude can score goals clinical in front. Uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen the goal yet from this weekend, cheeky bike. I mean, the, the, the cross to him was laid up very nicely. He really didn't have any other option but besides to hit it the way he did. But still, to have the technical ability to do so uh, is, is really impressive. So I, if we can continue to see him building on those weaker parts of his game, then, yeah, it's for me, it, it's no questions asked. He, he had good hold-up play as well, something we didn't see a lot of when he was with the United States. So 
yeah, fantastic to see him improving all around. And, you know, again, right fit, right system. He's going to be getting minutes. We, we it's, it's unfortunate to see when you have number nines like Pepe going to a place like Augsburg, who's going to, you know, continue to kind of be in relegation fights and they're not going to have tons of opportunities in front of the goal. So, you know, it's, I think kind of the lesson learned a little bit is going to be, you know, we want offensive players going to positions in which they're going to be in offenses that are going to create opportunities. But on the other hand, if, if we have a defender or a goalie, you know, transferred to a bottom dweller, I think that's fantastic. They're going to be facing more shots. So yeah, again, just the, the choice of where you have the opportunity to transfer for is, is very important to where you end up in the ranking for the USMNT. I mean, putting myself in Ricardo Pepe's shoes, 20 million offer coming from a Bundesliga club while I'm at FC Dallas. It's hard to turn that down as a, a 19 year old. For sure. Kid, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely with you on Jordan Pifak. He's improved his pressing a bunch. Maybe he wants to be Pifak in the streets and see Bachu in the, the sheets, streets, sheets. I don't there you know. Go. Did I get that mixed <laughs> up. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. Um, well, okay, Sibachu is the French side, language of love, you know, so maybe yes. it is. He's Sibachu in the sheets. Could be, could be. Um, <laughs> we're, we're putting a lot out into Tom's the universe Tom's frozen screen is perfect. Like <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with Pepe not getting much playing time, personally for me, I feel like people are starting to step over him in the depth chart. Is he starting to lose his place for you guys? Because that's certainly happening in my my personal depth chart of the squad. I think for the first time it is, I really hadn't been there until very recently, but yeah, the more Vasquez starts to perform, the more PFOC starts to perform. I'm expecting Haji Wright to get off to a fast start here soon. Those names are going to start to really creep up over Pepe. And I just, you know, I, I do think Pepe's got the highest ceiling of any of them, but I just, this move might be more of a 2026 move than a 2022 move to get him started. So he's the youngest of all of them too. I I'm, I think that's fine if he doesn't end up on this roster. He's got a long career ahead of him, but if he can't perform now, we're going to need to take the guys who are performing now. Yep. All right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a... Uh, sorry, Jake. Yeah, just real fast. Yeah. We've talked a bit about it. Center backs and forwards typically tend to be guys that develop a little bit later. So I'm I'm not panicking yet. I I did bring up, you know, when Demerovich did transfer in that ooh, this wasn't a good sign. And a lot of people are like, this is a guy that scored three goals in the Bundesliga last year. Like he shouldn't be worried. Well, uh, now it, it kind of is coming to fruition that he was in the starting lineup. The, the good news is, and I guess, again, halfway, halfway way of looking at it is Augsburg is going to be a dumpster fire for sure all, all season. Um, so if that is the case, if you're having people like Demerovich starting and they're not producing, eventually that's going to end up as opportunity for Pepe. So as long as Pepe in the opportunities that he gets grabs that and just takes off, I'm still optimistic and believe in the talent that that could happen. So I'm not too worried yet. Hopefully, you know, it's one week, no need to overreact too much. Okay. To be a little concerned because it's, I think, you know, we were hoping to see him in that 11, but you know, I, th I think he definitely has the skill set to take advantage because he's going to eventually earn the opportunity at Augsburg. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's turn our attention to Rangers in Scotland because there are two Americans there as well. Malik Tillman 
scored the winning goal in their UCL qualification round. And James Sands started as well. So he was on the pitch to watch. I feel like Rangers as an organization are going to be getting a lot of new subscriptions to Rangers TV. I think it's $10 a month. So if you do want to watch Malik Toman and James Sands on the pitch, there are going to be a lot of diehard American fans that will be signing up quickly for that service. But Malik Toman, this goal, he jumped over the goalie's hands, uh, looked about 10 feet in the air. I'm not a scientist. Tom, maybe we'll go to you to get a more <laughs> firm number. Um, but this was crazy. I mean, he not only the goal, Ryan, you mentioned on on your Twitter account how he was just having one-touch flicks everywhere. It was, it was a joy to watch. So, Ryan, I'm going to come to you first. I feel like you have the passion with this kid, with Malik Tillman. Tell us what you saw on the field. Any any German American, you know, dual Nat, I'm definitely going to be as their, their biggest cheerleader and hope good things for him. Coming from a pedigree like growing up and going through the Bayern system, you can tell that this guy has played with quality around him his entire life. Uh, I saw one comparison. I really wish I could give credit to, to whoever made it. But when you watch Gio's game and everyone's already sky high on Gio's ability and Gio's 19 this year. Tillman's only 20, and you could definitely tell that the skill set is is pretty similar. Uh, the the first the first flick that we were talking about, it was in maybe around like the 20th minute or so. A ball from maybe 20 yards away was absolutely peppered to him. Uh, it, it, it looked like an Aaron Long esque pass uh, that just came firing in out of him with way too much pace. Well, shots fired. Uh, but, what did Aaron Long ever yeah, do to you? What? <laughs> no, no, just. Anyway, the, moving forward, uh, it, you could just see it was on the half turn. He turned with the ball, flicked it between, like uh, behind his left leg with his right foot, right into the path of the overlapping right back. And I, that is not something that you would typically see from a player. I think you know that is is your work rate guy. Like I would be surprised even to see that from someone like Aronson. It's a it's a little bit of a different skill set. I love Aronson's touch, but I, I don't know that you're going to see quite that level out of it. So you see his ability on the ball sometimes still, you know, and it's the same complaints people had of Gio is like when he doesn't have the ball, when we're on defense, the work rate's not, not necessarily there. He's not going to be that dog, but you can definitely see when we have the ball going forward, the talent is special, man. It really is. And then when you pair that with the athletic ability of, the Ronaldo-esque leap to get up and finish that thing off and, you know, send Rangers through on, you know, from Champions League qualifying. It's, I don't know how you could not be excited about this kid right now. This is, we always talk about, you know, hey, 12 months from now, who's the guy that we're going to be talking about that wasn't really on anybody's radar? Sure, people were tracking Tillman, but it was dual national, young kid playing for Bayern's U23s. We didn't think he was going to the USA for a long time. Yeah, no, no way. That was a surprise. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think that, like you said, Jake, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of people trying to find Rangers streams, whether they're through Rangers TV or alternative avenues. Uh, I, I think it's it's going to be another team that you're going to you're going to have to watch week in, week out, because I think this is just the beginning for Tillman. This is going to be, a you know, kind of like Wea when he had a chance at Celtic and he really kind of made that next level jump going from a big club way at that time was with PSG went over to Celtic finally got minutes 
Timothy Tillman's in that same, or I'm sorry, Malik Tillman right now is in the same situation. Going to get minutes. And if you look through like Rangers Twitter, he's absolutely a fan favorite. Yeah. Tom, what'd you see? I, I didn't actually get to watch much of the match, but seeing the highlight clips, the kids just got sauced. He's just, my big worry with him after watching with the U.S. was can he handle week in, week out physicality and can he, you know, find ways to still affect the match even though he's not the biggest guy on the pitch. And he seems to be doing that just fine, taking guys on, creating chances, being dangerous. That leap for a header is something I did not know he had in his toolkit. So that was really interesting to see. Tillman's one of those guys who I think is in a unique position. He does so many things well that Burhalter wants to see. And there are not many analogs in the pool who are not Gio Reynas, like Ryan said. So I think if he keeps producing like this and Georgi Mihailovic can't find his form again, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up on the World Cup roster as the 26th player on it. Yeah. If I could point out one other quick thing too, Jake. So a lot of people are focusing on work rate for him and understandably so, but I, I would, I do want to point out that during the champions league match last night, that while I was watching, you can tell the dude is working smarter, not harder. So twice when the right back was overlapping and then Rangers did turn the ball over the right back had overlapped past Malik Tillman and gotten further up the field. So yeah, he doesn't have to, you know, bust ass to get all the way back and cover for that right back. You saw him take about, you know, five to 10 steps to slide over to the right. And all of a sudden he's covering for that right back. You know, if we have someone like a Serginho Des or he's on the left side, we've seen the workhorse that Anthony Robinson is. All we need him to do is slide back into that position, cover those passing lanes. And so again, you know, the kid comes from such a high pedigree. You can see that soccer IQ. So it's don't necessarily just all focus on like, oh, we don't see him, you know, covering, you know, 15 meters in the, in the game or fi like 15 K. So yeah, all he needs to do is cover, you know, seven and a half, but he's doing it in the right way. So I thought that was an I interesting takeaway that mm -hmm. I saw. My, my big concern with Tillman is not his like run, his work rate and his ability to press and run. My concern is when he gets in the ball, is he going to get shoved off it by a bigger player? That's sort of yeah. one thing I'm watching for in every game this year. He seems to be doing well with it so far, but as he goes, can he sort of avoid getting little little brother too much as we sort of watch these matches play out? Because I think that was my big concern about him going forward. Yeah, yeah Scotland's a great right. place to find that out. I was going <laughs> to say, on the same pitch was James Sands, but it, uh, we know that Malik Tillman with the goal is going to take all the plaudits. Uh, is James Sands doing himself any favors to get back into the good graces of the U.S. step chart? It's sort of mixed reviews so far from what I've seen from Rangers fans. Uh, he did have a couple sloppy passes that led to shots on goal um, uh, playing out of the back. But at the same time, he seems to win a lot of challenges, win balls back. He's a strong defender, and that's also earning him some praise. So I don't think that he's a best – he's a fan favorite. He's going to be the best player on the team this year for Rangers. But I think he's going to contribute and be a solid defender for them all season long. Yep. And as we yeah, talked about you, before, uh, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, sorry, Jake, my bad, man. I was going to say, if you look at player profile that Burhalter wants, when he first came onto the scene as, as our coach, he, you know, that 
that three nil, I think it was drubbing that we took against Mexico where he demanded that we play out of the back and we can't, you know, play a little route one or, or go more directly. We've shifted away from that a little bit. You're not quite seeing that that same style of play from Berhalter system. So yes, I mean, Sands absolutely did have three specific pretty bad giveaways. Um, but if you look at him kind of from the athletic standpoint, he, he had the ability to recover on those People may point out the Honduras game where he was hung out to dry. I'm not going to judge him on that match. Formationally, we, you know, we didn't get it right in the beginning. Um, so, you know, it's, he does kind of fit that style. If you look at a Brooks versus a Zimmerman, you know, Zimmerman right now is, is performing well for the national team. And if you're looking for that same type of profile, Sands could fit it a little bit. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's on his plane on the plane to Qatar, but the season is super early. I've had the opportunity to talk to a few people that are, are pretty close to Sands and, and his situation. And the one thing you always hear about Sands and that you, you're going to love, you know, Burhalter is going to love as well, is the dude is a workhorse. So if you want that old school, you know, American style of the guy that's just going to want it more than you do. That is the common thing you hear from people closest to James Sands is the dude I guarantee you having three bad turnovers in this past game, dude's going to put in work over this week and try to do everything he can still early in the season. Again, no, no need to panic yet. That's what we call a soccer man analysis. He just <laughs> wants it more. They just wanted it more. Well, he's that guy that's going to stay after practice. He's going to do what he needs to do. The guys work great. He, he will, give you everything versus you have players that the moment they can go home, put their feet up and, you know, go turn on their PS five. They're going to, from what I've heard about James Sands behind the scenes, he's not that dude. He's going to work yeah. harder than the next person. So you want to root for him. You want to see him do well. I'm you sound like you. college football broadcasters right now. <laughs> yeah. They just wanted it more. First in okay. first out kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Real lunch pail he type. He, he's got that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> Straight dog. He is. Okay. <laughs> let's talk. Let's uh, round this out with uh, an American debut. Jonathan Tompkinson, JT on Norwich City. The 20-year-old makes his professional first team debut uh, in the cup match against Birmingham, which also had another American, Austin Trusty. I was at Carroll Road last night to watch that match. And it was very interesting. Quite a quiet game for the first 45 minutes. There were two goals at the end of the first half to Norwich, the second of which you should definitely find on Twitter because it's one of the prettiest goals you will see this month. Then Birmingham City get two back, including an own goal of Jonathan Tompkinson, but there really wasn't too much you could do with it. It was on a corner kick. Three people jumped for the ball. You would have expected one of them to hit the ball, and it just came to his head at the top of the six-yard box, bonked it, and went right into the goal. So can't fault JT for that, but congrats, Jonathan Tompkinson, on the debut. The game ends, and because it's an EFL Cup match first round, it goes straight to penalty kicks. Josh Sargent, who is substituted on in the second half, takes the fifth penalty kick for Norwich and seals the win with 4-2 on penalties. So, guys, I know Sargent needs to build his confidence. I know he's gotten a lot of flack over the last, call it, nine months from USMNT fans, from Norwich fans for his price tag. Where are we on the Josh Sargent train at this point? De definitely concerned not to see, you know, I when I saw him not in the starting 11 over the weekend, 
I was like, okay, well, you know, I know they have a midweek fixture, so hopefully it's all, you know, he's they're rotating players. So to see him then not be in the starting 11 for the midweek uh, was was a little bit concerning. I did get to, to watch the handful of minutes that he had over the weekend. Uh, and he's this he kind of looks like the same Josh Sargent that we've seen him at Norwich. He's he's the work rate guy. His first touch is pretty good. He's playing a little bit more like with more hold up play and a little bit more physical as he gets older. I think we're going to see that from him because he's not small. I think that's something that's understated about him is when we're looking for big number nines, Jake, you did a breakdown of the whales of how we can beat whales and talked about playing down those channels and needing someone like a PFOC potentially over the middle. You know, I, I think Sargent has the ability to fill, to fill that role. We're going to need to see more from him, but you know, anytime a striker can see the ball go into the back of the net, it has to boost their confidence a little bit. So fingers crossed. This is the, the first of more to come from Josh. Yep. All right. What else do we have to talk about before we get to final word? Any other players you want to shout out? Jake, I want to get your take on Austin Trusty real quick. How mm. does he look in real real life? How, he's become a fan favorite for Birmingham City already. Yeah. He's a player I think could be in contention for a center back spot. Any thoughts? So you can see why right away. Because he is... <laughs> I don't know how this happened in three matches, but he's essentially played every single minute for Birmingham City so far. And while Norwich City made 10 changes to their lineup going into the cup match, Austin Trusty still started the game for Birmingham City, even though he started over the weekend and played most of that game. Um, really interesting because Birmingham City play a three-in-the-back system, but there were times when Austin Trusty was getting really high up the pitch, even though he was playing as a left-sided center back, and you would expect the wing backs to push up higher. So... I don't know if that was system or just the freedom that Austin Trusty has or the trust that he already has with the team to cover his position, but it was fun to watch him. Uh, the first goal that Norwich scored was somewhat of a deflection off of his foot where mm. he went to close down the attacker at the edge of the box. It hit off his foot, looped in, and was headed in by the Norwich attacker. It wasn't Austin Trusty's fault. Um, it wasn't like he was slow to close down or anything. It was just... It did come off his foot and, and went into the box for the goal. But yeah, I liked what I had to see. Uh, honestly, I was surprised and I have been surprised even before I went to watch live how much of a of a stalwart he has become for the Birmingham City team. I don't think any of us would have expected that. We all kind of thought that was just a way for Stan Kroenke to transfer him to Arsenal, figure out some funny money rules for for Colorado but yeah he's he's become a key player for them and he was a key player for them on the pitch I wouldn't say like he he was the best player on the pitch but he absolutely deserved to be there and was one of the standouts for Birmingham City he, he's a name that I think is starting to creep up on my radar if we don't have fourth a fourth center back that pops up his name's got to be in the mix right yeah I mean if he keeps playing at the championship level and we're considering other players around that level in like James Sands, for instance, you could probably mm -hmm. consider the English championship and the Scottish premiership in, in a similar vein. Um, but yeah, I also got to see Job Bellingham, Jude Bellingham, 16 year old brother starting in the center <laughs> of the pitch for Birmingham city, which I thought was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was a good experience all around. I would definitely recommend everyone get up to Carroll road to see Narch city and uh, hopefully 
JT Jonathan Tompkinson becomes a more embedded person uh, and player for Norwich City. But I can see Josh Sargent taking this as a confidence boost and starting to get more more playing time as well. All yeah, right, couple, couple, yeah, a couple players I'll just touch on super quick, Jake. Uh, uh, again, I think Alex Mendez not getting enough attention. Absolutely had a great game. For Give Vizella. him that attention. <laughs> I, I think he deserves it, man. I mean, if we're, I don't, I'm not going to call out anybody that I think he should be called in over. Maybe a, a vibes guy that people have referred to. <laughs> the talent is definitely so much better, uh, and he was. In their first goal, the kid has just continued to take that next step each year. And again, still young, dual nat. This is somebody that Mexico could come for. I think he's a player that we need to be giving more attention to because I think this year in the Portuguese league, he's really going to make a name for himself. He surpassed like 1,800 minutes last season. So you can't really call this like his breakout year. But again, if we're talking about guys adjusting to new leagues, okay, he adjusted. And he looks really comfortable, man. We know the talent that that guy brings, but his knock initially was, you know, is he physical enough? Does he do the defensive work rate? Uh, and he's proven all of that. So I, I'm really excited to watch him. Uh, Taylor Booth, unfortunately, subbed out at halftime for Utrecht. Uh, disappointed to see because he's definitely a player I really want to keep an eye on. Um, other side note, if anybody listening happens to know ways to watch and busy games, please hit me up in my DMs. Uh, they have been very tough to come by, so definitely looking for a way to, to watch that. And then just a quick recap uh, of, of goalies this weekend. I think Horvath, you know, for Luton had an absolutely great game. And on the other hand, there is uh, one moment that was an absolute howler on a corner kick for Zach Steffen. So... The only person getting minutes, we know that I'm the Ethan Horvath stan on this podcast, and he's getting minutes and showing out, so I want to make sure that Ethan Horvath, we we keep an eye on that goalie situation, because just because people aren't playing doesn't mean we need, or, you know, we forget about it, and then all of a sudden, November creeps up real fast, and we're like, holy shit, who's getting minutes and who's going to start? So, you know, I think Horvath continuing to get those minutes for Luton could put his name back up there. November is now... Three months away, not counting August. So it's getting close. It is Go. getting close. Yeah. Yes. I, I think the one other t- group we should mention is Fulham. I think we should touch on the fact that Robinson and yeah. Reem both looked yep. excellent against Liverpool. And Reem is a fan favorite at Fulham. I don't Reem. think he's going to start for the entire season. Yeah. But if Tim Reem <laughs> is getting starting minutes in the Premier League this season, that's a name that we should probably be watching all season long. Yeah. So for some, those of some... you guys that didn't get Jake's reference there with Reem, every time he touched the ball, Craven Carnage was absolutely erupting. It was it was an awesome sight to see. Player player profile again though, a little bit different. He is that distributing non-athletic center back. It's really hard to get that image of him getting cooked by Linez out of your head. But if you just go back to this weekend, he definitely looked the part. And watching Robinson continue to take that next step, it just blows my mind that a bigger club or, you know, a, a contender from the Premier League hasn't come knocking for his services yet. I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah, there's always been yeah. rumors of AC Milan and I think most recently Manchester City were potentially interested, but I'm going to put this out there too. He is a workhorse. He gets up and down the pitch. Leeds United. Could, <laughs> yes. They, they need a left back as well. Fulham would <laughs> never let him go to Leeds. No, no, they wouldn't. Um, but yeah. 
I, I also, just a little inside information on Fulham as well. I did a stadium tour with Brian from State of Soccer TV when he came over to the UK. And the tour guide, when we asked him, you know, who's a bigger legend between Clint Dempsey, Brian McBride, Tim Ream, like who's the fan favorite? The tour guide was honestly like, they are all legends in their own right. And especially right now, because Tim Ream has been with them for so long, through the ups and downs, has been with them, Premier League Championship, Premier League Championship, back and forth. Uh, he is absolutely beloved by the fans there at Fulham, has his own, yeah, I don't want to call it a chant, but <laughs> something they say every time he's involved in a play. You can't get much, much more ingrained into the fan base than that. All right, that is our show for this week. Last words, Ryan, I'm going to you first for the last word. Uh, really just, it, it's so great to have weekend football back that we can watch. I know MLS has been going on, but for those of us that do live over here in Europe, the, the MLS games are just so hard to watch. So it, it's great to, for me on my weekends, wake up early, get out of the house, go get a workout in. But, you know, even my wife mentioned it this weekend. She's like, oh, yeah, never mind. I know well, you're, where you will be starting at like 1330, 1400, just parked. This weekend I had tablet, laptop, TV screen, and cell phone all kind of going at the same time. So it's just awesome. Football's back. Like it's it, – or soccer's back, sorry. Uh, you know, it's whatever so word great. you want. Yeah. So yeah. It, and also too, other quick shout out, because I didn't get a chance to mention it earlier. Please, please, please go check out Meg Swanick's video that she did where she went to go interview fans uh, and she was at the Leeds match live. Absolutely top notch piece. You, you, you can't get better content than, you know, some of the stuff that Meg's putting out right now. It's, it's somewhat similar. I love what she's doing. I have tried without a video camera, but at least it's so great to go to these stadiums and go touch base with the local fans and kind of get some quotes from them. So if you really want to hear boots on the ground stuff, Meg's got a great video from the Leeds match. Go it's well it produced as well. I got to say. Yeah. It's a great watch. All right, Tom. Last word from you. Last word for me this week is for the last time I can say this before I head out, support local soccer, uh, find your local team, have a great time. Tonight I'm headed to the clash in the National Independent Soccer Association between Chattanooga FC and Cal United Strikers, a combined two losses between them in 35 matches this year. Um, they're sitting on 30 points apiece. This will basically be the decision as who hosts the championship match for the season. It'll be a really fun time. I'm so glad I got the chance to spend this time this summer at home with uh, all my friends doing Chattanooga FC things and excited for one last run out tonight. Awesome. Well, good luck on the move, Tom. We'll all be rooting for you so that we're, you're set up in State College, PA, by the next Thank time you. we talk to you. Yep. Next time I'll be set up completely in State College. <laughs> awesome. All right. And uh, my last word is just thank you, everyone, for continuing to watch us, to listen to us. You can catch a cameo of me on the Scuff podcast this week to review going to Carroll Road, my journey on the Greater Anglia train and uh, up to watch JT, Josh Sargent and Austin Trusty. Thanks so much to all of everyone listening. I don't even know. I, I should just end it now. I've already messed up. This is the last thing you're hearing from me. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.